Hey guys, it's Marianne, dog mom, baker, true crime podcast maker, and today we are releasing a story from our archives. The case of Adam Herman, who went missing sometime in the summer of 1999. And we want to remind everyone this search is still ongoing for Adam. As you will hear in this podcast, which is a little rusty because it is one of my earlier podcasts, but the timeline for Adam when he went missing is not truly known for sure because the adoptive parents haven't been very forthcoming and the kids weren't really aware of what was going on. The only thing we know for sure is that Adam was horrifically abused. His adoptive parents fraudulently claimed him on their taxes when he wasn't there. They falsely accepted adoption subsidies for him. And we also know that the Butler County Sheriff's Office, they aren't going to stop until Adam is found. And they've proven that. Cadaver dogs have still been out searching for them ground has still been excavated as far as they can still go. The adoptive father is no longer with us, but the mother, she's still out there and she still isn't talking. I hope you guys will listen to this podcast, share this podcast, share Adam's picture and share Adam's information. Yes, This happened in 1999, but we still want to know what happened to Adam. The Butler County Sheriff's Department, all of its officers have taken this case to heart. The officers who have been with them for a long time and the new officers that are coming in, everyone takes this case very personally. And no one is stopping until they know what has happened to Adam Herman. Thank you guys for listening to this case again, sharing it, and let's do what we can to bring Adam home. Hi listeners of Crime Scenes and Cupcakes. Allow us to introduce ourselves. I'm Beth. And I'm Bailey. And we, we are True Crime b and We do a podcast every week. We release on Fridays. And every week we'll bring to you two different true crime stories. First we'll bring you a disturbing story. And then one that will hopefully uplift your spirits a little bit. We'd love to have you listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, so join us every week on Friday. Find us anywhere you find your podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, I don't know anywhere else. (laughs) (laughs) And also you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at True Crime BNB. Did we even mention that we're mom and daughter? No. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you join our crime family. Bye. Bye. Crime Scenes and Cupcakes is a true crime investigative podcast. We discuss cases regarding the assault, murder, sexual assault, or cases involving the abuse or abduction of adults or children. These topics can be very disturbing and a trigger to many individuals, so please listen accordingly. If you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis, help is available. You can text, call, or chat 988. 
This is available 24-7. It is also available in multiple languages. For anyone who needs mental health related or suicide crisis support, it can connect you with trained crisis counselors. Also, if you are in Wichita, there is a local crisis center. Call 316-660-7500. Hey guys, it's Marianne, dog mom, baker, true crime podcast maker. And today we're going to talk about the case of Adam Herman. On April 4th of 1999, Adam Herman disappeared from the Pine Ridge Mobile Home Park in Tawanda, Kansas. This is where he lived with his adoptive parents. Or that's what the stories have been told. Now this case revolves around half-truths, fraud, vague memories, a young man in very deep crisis, a sheriff's department committed to finding answers. But at the very heart of this case, there is Adam, or his name is also Irvin, as he was born as. But at the bottom of all of it, there is this little boy with the most amazing smile. Because let me tell you, when you look at his pictures and you see his smile, even in pictures, you feel his smile. You see it in his eyes. This kid experienced abuse from the very beginning. But when he smiles, it you smile back, you smile back at the pictures and you smile back at him. And that makes this case so much more tragic. And that's why so many of the people around here have never forgotten about him. It's why even younger people who weren't even born at the time that the Adam Herman case was happening. They know who Adam Herman is. Adam Herman is a staple name in Kansas. Everybody wants to know the answers to what has happened to Adam Herman. Well, everyone wants answers except for the ones who are trying to hide their dirty secret. They've moved all the way to Oklahoma, trying to outrun their guilt. But you know what? Justice doesn't stop. And one day, someone, maybe an amazing dog, they're going to find Adam. And they're going to find the answers. And you're not going to outrun your guilt. Now, Adam was actually born Irvin Groninger III on June 8th in 1987 in Wichita, Kansas. His father was Irvin Groninger II and his mother was Jerry George. Not 
Much is known about the first 18 months of Irvin's life, or Adam, as we pretty much have come to know him. But we do know that something happened, and one of the older children in the home had a bruise, and that prompted someone to call Child Protective Services, or CPS, and CPS would ultimately remove all the children from the home and put them into foster care because we're here to protect the children, right? They're going to do that and the children will go to a safe place. That's not what happens here. Sometimes it does, but we have seen more and more times, especially here in Kansas. That is not the happy ending for a lot of children. Now again, when you look at pictures of Irvin or Adam, and I'm sorry, this really bothers me. When you get a child, you're not getting a pet. You don't change his name. That to me was triggered number one. You don't rename a child. If that child becomes old enough that that child decides to change their identity, that is their choice. But these people took it upon themselves to take that child's identity that their family, their roots had given them, and they gave them a whole new identity. To me, red flag number one. So you see this little boy with the beautiful smile. And again, that's just what gets me about this case. But okay, sorry, I had to take a breath. The foster parents, Doug and Valerie Herman, they were the ones that ended up adopting Adam. And many trials and tribulations would take place throughout the next several years within that family. The other children in the home remember how Adam was just there one day and then he wasn't. But there were so many weird things that happened within that house. These kids didn't question it. They didn't question anything. Their life was already unstable. No one quite knew what was going on behind the closed doors of the Herman home. In 2008, when a biological sister went looking for Adam, he was nowhere to be found. So she went and she filed a missing person report. And that's when the Butler County Sheriff's Department leapt into action. Let's kind of go through Adam's life as this led into it. When Adam and his two younger siblings were taken in by the Herman family, again, Doug and Valerie, Doug and Valerie would start the formal adoption process. And although that wouldn't be finalized until 1993, in the meantime, in 1991, the Hermans would lose their foster care license. This should be red flag number two. 
I'm not sure how they're able to continue fostering children and doing all of this and finalizing an adoption when you lose your foster care license. Why this isn't a red flag? I don't know. Process has already started, so hey, maybe there's a problem with this and we can't stop it. I don't get what's going on here, Kansas. Maybe somebody just failed to look at the paperwork and said, oh shit, there's a problem. And their license just lapsed. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand. I could not find the answers here. But I did find it interesting that their foster care license was taken from them two full years before Adam and his siblings were adopted. Again, huge red flag. During this time, the family resides in the town of Derby, Kansas. So, Tawanda, Derby. Okay, now we're living in Derby. Derby is a suburb of Wichita. Yeah, you know, Wichita, we're the big bustling town. And Adam got enrolled in the public school there. Derby has a great public school system. Then in November of 1996, an abuse complaint would be called in at the school. And the police would go and they took Adam, this is the Derby police, they took Adam to the Wichita Children's Home while they investigated it. Now, this is where things, we've so many red flags. The complaint would be labeled as unsubstantiated, and they returned Adam to the home. And to me, this is absolutely wild because it is stated that Adam had bruises and abrasions, but the complaint is unsubstantiated. How the fuck do you unsubstantiate something if there are bruises and abrasions? I, I, I don't quite understand that. And sorry, child abuse gets me extremely heated. In fact, Valerie herself would go on to admit to CPS that she had indeed spanked Adam with a belt and left bruises. These are her words. Not the words I'm taking from anywhere. These are Valerie's own words. But no, let's go ahead and return Adam to the abusive home. CPS said, honey, it's not appropriate to hit someone with a belt, but you can take him back because just don't do it again. Valerie agrees. Okay, fine. I won't do it again. And she said that Adam was a difficult child and had suffered some form of attachment disorder, making it very hard to manage at times. And I don't know about you, but it would be really hard for me to get attached to someone who beats the crap out of me. I don't get attached very well to people who do that to me. And I can say that from real personal experience. Now, on January 9th of 1998, another abuse complaint comes in, this time from Adam's school. Police start investigating and speak to the family and other educators at the school. Valerie tells the police that he was playing with his siblings when he got hurt over Christmas break. 
Another teacher also tells police that they didn't feel Adam was being abused because kids would tell the teacher if they're being abused. That happens, right? Kids wouldn't keep that from a teacher. So the police said, oh, the Derby police were like, ah, of course, they wouldn't keep that. So Adam's fine. So we'll just send him back home. This case just pisses me off. On January 14th of 1998, Adam ran away from home and his parents called the police. He returns on his own three hours later. After this incident, the family pulled the children out of school and they moved to Pine Ridge Mobile Home Park in Tawanda, Kansas, where Valerie takes a job as a property manager. The other children would enroll in school, but here's another red flag. Valerie decides out of all the kids that can go to school, Adam, he really needs one-on-one -on -one attention from her. Again, that is always a huge red flag. There needs to be something to be tracking these children who are not enrolled in the school system because a lot of times abusive parents are using this as a way to hide abuse. I am not saying this for parents who are doing an amazing job in homeschooling their children. However, this is also being used as a way that parents who are abusing their children are manipulating the system and they are hiding the abuse from authorities, especially after you have seen children who have had multiple complaints by school system, then suddenly the child is being homeschooled. That is a huge red flag. Valerie also says that during that year, this is the year of 1998, Adam would run away from home a few other times. He would always come back a few hours later on his own. Here we are, Adam's been taken out of school, and this is where details start to get a little cloudy. And all we have are the words of these family members. We don't have the word of anybody else because no one else has seen Adam. No one else is around to back anything else up. What we do know, and that we have been able to find out, is that on January 9th of 1999, the Hermans had a relative over to watch the Super Bowl. Now, we aren't going to find this out a lot of years later, but through all of the digging, we find out that that relative had seen Adam handcuffed to a bathtub in the bathroom. Now, when Valerie, again, this is a long time later as people are digging and finding out and trying to find answers when Adam goes missing, when she's questioned about this, she said, well, it's for Adam's own safety because Adam had become so violent. This 12-year-old boy had become so violent that we needed to handcuff him in the bathroom. Why that relative did not go run screaming to every 
law enforcement agency that there was something flipping going wrong in this house, I will never know. That was a chance to save a life, and they chose to turn a blind eye. On an unknown date after that, the siblings noticed that Adam, he's no longer there. They just, I mean, again, this is not like a normal household where the kids all kind of operate on a normal operating procedure. This household is pretty chaotic. There's, it's not a normal household. So just, you have to put that in your mind first. This is not a normal home. But at some point they noticed, well, and of course Adam isn't in the house in a normal way. I mean, they've got him friggin' handcuffed in bathrooms and stuff. So it sounds like Adam was not there on a normal basis. But they start to notice Adam's not around for long periods of time. So where the hell is Adam? Well, when questioned, both Valerie and Doug said, well, Adam ran away. And then they said, well, Adam was taken away by the state because of his mental illness. The children are getting like all of these bizarre stories and they're in a very unstable household. So they're just, all right, whatever is going on, you know, you just, you keep your head down and you just do what you can until you can get the hell out of this household. You know, you don't question it. Now, again, Adam had a biological sister that used to call and check in on him all the time. As, she, as much as she could. Then beginning in 1999, the Hermans would tell her that Adam wasn't home. And eventually they would just tell her to stop calling, leave him alone. And, you know, hello, don't call and check on my brother. I can tell you right now, I have a brother I'm extremely close to. If somebody tells me to no longer check in on him, because I will check in on him randomly. And if that ever just stops, you bet your ass, I'm going to drive my ass to Oklahoma and find out what's going on. In December of 1999, Valerie, she's fired as park manager of Pine Ridge Mobile Home Park, and the family decides to move away. In 2002, the Hermans, well, they have to file for bankruptcy, and Adam, who has run away, nobody's seen, and all of this malarkey. Adam, though, is listed as a dependent on their paperwork. The kid nobody's seen, he's a dependent on the paperwork. It's also worth noting that they have been receiving adoption supplement payments for Adam in the amount of $700 a month. They would continue to receive this until Adam turns 18. Nothing fishy here. Then in 2003, Valerie and Doug, well, they decide to file for a divorce. And Adam, well, Adam makes an appearance, but just on paper. Adam was again listed in the divorce paperwork. The divorce would eventually be dropped. Hmm. Think it's because they had to prove something about Adam? think, or maybe somebody was saying, if you do this, I'll show this. I'll show yours if you show mine. In 2008, one of Adam's sisters, Crystal, they wanted to plan a family reunion. 
and started looking to get everyone together. She knew that years ago, Valerie and Doug had told her that Adam was a ward of the state. Okay, I'm going to contact Child Services, get his information, and we're going to do this because I missed my family. She goes, she contacts them, but they tell her, what are you talking about? Adam has never come back into our custody. We, he's, he's with the Hermans. He's never been back through here. Little hairs on the back of the neck, that little true crime tingle. Crystal got that. And Crystal, she decided it's time for shit to get real. And the police, they acted quickly. So Crystal goes to the Butler County Police Department. The Butler County Sheriff's Department. I apologize. And they acted very quickly to open a missing person investigation. Although from the very beginning, they feared the worst. And man, they came out blazing though. They knew something was wrong. They knew something wasn't right here. And they were making damn sure they were going to do everything to get the answers and to get justice. And Adam deserves that. Adam had Crystal and Adam had the Butler Sheriff's Department. And that's awesome. They start right off by interviewing Valerie and Doug. And Valerie and Doug's stories were suspicious to say the least. First, they claim, well, Adam, he ran away. Valerie had seen him run right out that door because he had done this so many times. And of course, he always comes back, but he didn't return. And Valerie said she didn't report it because she was worried that CPS would just take away the rest of her kids. And so she told the other kids that he just went back to the state. Don't worry about him because she didn't want to get in trouble. And she'd hoped that he just found his way back to his real family. You know, his real family. What law enforcement, though, was able to do was confirm that Adam had not been seen by someone outside of the immediate family since January of 1999. Now, remember, this is 2008. The last time he was actually physically seen by another human being outside of Valerie was the day of the Super Bowl, as a matter of fact. The day when that relative saw him handcuffed to a bathtub. Now, this would start a floodgate of other stories from the siblings of abuse in the home and all sorts of crazy shit going on. But they all shared the same thing, that it was Adam who received most of the abuse. The other children told stories of trying to sneak him food because she didn't want him to have food and that they would, he would always be locked up in the bathroom. And the older siblings said that it was always Valerie who would beat Adam. They never once saw Doug do anything. It was Valerie. They also learned that the Hermans had continued to collect that $700 a month for Adam's subsidies. She sure as shit 
didn't say one damn word that would stop anything to stop money from coming in. And she claimed him on her tax returns every year. Nobody's seen him since that Super Bowl of 1999, but he's been on those tax returns as if she has seen him. Now, on January 5th of 2009, the Butler County Sheriff's held a press conference with pleas to the public for any information on Adam. But on January 5th, 2009, the Butler County Sheriff's Office held a press conference with pleas to the public for any information on Adam Herman. Now, even though there is a lot of evidence to support that Adam is no longer with us, there is always that little bit of hope that possibly Adam could still be alive. But the sheriff's department fully believes that Valerie has done something particularly evil. On January 7th of 2009, in the Whitewater River area and where the mobile home used to be, there were dogs brought out, ground-penetrating radar. There were so many things trying to find any type of burial area, any type of remains, any type of anything. But for those of you not aware, and we'll try to put up pictures to show you guys, it's a vast area. And it's extremely difficult to find whether or not there could be something there. But... Butler County Sheriff's Department has not stopped. Kelly Herza is just absolutely incredible. On January 14th of 2009, the Sheriff's Department has gone as far as to excavate the mobile home parking lot. Um, there was a shed that was built in 1999 on the property, and there are rumors it was used to cover up a site, so there have been so much excavation. There has been recent excavations as well. So nobody's giving up. Everybody's continuing to push forward. Everyone is continuing to do everything they do. Ground penetrating radar, sonar radar is so important, but it can only go so far. And there are so much to go for. And then you really have to wonder about this relative at the time and you have to look at, okay, and then they also moved to Oklahoma. So there are a lot of pieces to this puzzle that you have to look at. On January 20th of 2009, there was also a search of the river area once more. The sheriff said that they have been able to recover some evidence, but in order to maintain integrity of the case, none of that evidence can be shared at this time, but more is needed. In June of 2011, the Hermans admitted to wrongfully accepting over $15,000 in subsidies for Adam between November 2003 and July of 2005. Now, there, there's a reason for those exact dates. And generally, it, it's because of how they can legally go back and what can be proven. 
you can't always prove exact dates. So you have to go through and just prove what you can prove. Even though you know it's, well, it's probably 1999. It's probably a lot more. The justice system can only prove so much. One of the things I found interesting is that Doug received a longer jail sentence than Valerie. And, and this is where I almost feel like it's a sexist type of thing. You know, Doug gets the longer sentence because he's male. And Valerie, Valerie was the one being said repeatedly that she had heaped the abuse on Adam. That she, it, it appears that Valerie is very openly pulling all the strings here. And yet, here she seems to be getting off with so much. And it makes me so angry. Now, law enforcement continues to work the case. And every year, they don't give up. They have a page dedicated to Adam Herman. And we're going to have links to it. And I really recommend anyone, please, you know, go to that. Anyone who has negative thoughts about law enforcement, there are some amazing law enforcement agencies out there. And the Butler County Sheriff's Department is absolutely incredible about this case. Now, they did locate Adam's biological parents and they obtained DNA samples from them in the event that they'll need them to identify Adam in the future. Adam's biological mother has never spoke, never publicly spoken out, but his father has. And what he has to say to the public resonates throughout the community. According to him, if Adam had not been removed from their care, he would be alive today. At the time they had removed the children, there was one bruise discovered on the older child. Both parents admitted to spanking their kids at the time, so all three kids were put into the foster care system. Now, that's when those kids got removed. But when bruises were discovered on Adam while he was in foster care, they basically told Valerie to just not do it again. And she was able to continue fostering kids even with repeated suspicions of abuse. So in the eyes of law enforcement, or in the eyes of CPS, what's the better home? When is it better to remove children? I, I don't know the background of Adam's family. So I don't know. I honestly don't know the better answer to this. But I do wonder what is in that decision-making? Because I see so many red flags in Adam's case where he should have been removed from that home. Is it the county you're in at the time as to when that decision was made? If that's the case, then the Derby Police Department, the Derby School System, dropped so many balls to have Adam removed and Adam safely taken care of. Now, as a public, we seem to blame CPS when they don't remove kids from homes, as we should. I mean, we have covered a lot of cases where 
CPS should have stepped in. I mean, we talk about it a lot. Lucas Hernandez is a huge case we have discussed where abuse was seen and nothing was done and children lose their lives. But then we see cases where CPS steps in and they're placed with a foster child, foster family and the child loses their lives. What do we do to keep children in today's society from losing their lives? What type of check system needs to be in place? How do we improve the system? How do we watch out for today's children and not treat them like they are a, a commodity to be used on social media for likes, for revenue, and they are allowed to just live their lives and feel safe and loved and are able to blossom into amazing members of today's society. How do we do this? The police continue to speak with Valerie and Doug and they have not let the investigation go. As I said, on the Butler County Sheriff Department Facebook page, you see they wish Adam a happy birthday every year on June 8th. And it's, it's just really cool to see that and they update pictures and they do all of that. But in 2016, Doug Herman passed away. We're left with Valerie, and Valerie knows she carries the biggest burden of all the evil that's been done, and she's doing everything to hide and not say shit. Now, this case would take a very interesting turn in February of 2020, when a young man took to Twitter and YouTube claiming to be Adam Herman. He had quite a story to tell and was actually living in Kansas. His tale was so believable that it began to get the attention of other law enforcement and media. However, the minute you talked to Butler County Sheriff's Department, they looked at it and was like, no way in hell. This is not Adam Herman. The interesting thing is this young man actually worked at a local correctional facility. But it turned out this was just a young man in a horrific mental health crisis. And it, it was just a terrible, terrible thing. And this young man ended up committing suicide March 20th, or March 2020, I apologize. And that leads us to today. We are still looking for answers in the Adam Herman case. Butler County officials are still excavating areas. They are still searching. Dogs are still out looking and no one is giving up. Adam has never been forgotten in Kansas. That amazing young man with that smile that goes all the way up to his eyes. And when you look at those pictures, you cannot help but smile back. 
You can find out more about the Adam Herman case by going to uncovered.com. Also going to the Adam Herman Facebook page that is set up by the Butler County Sheriff's Department. Please, if you have any information, if you know any information, if you know Valerie and she might have shared any information with you, go to these websites, go to this. You can share the information anonymously. Let us just finally close this chapter on Adam Herman, bring him home so everyone has a place to finally say goodbye to Adam. Or if Adam is, for that slightest chance, still out there, we can all rejoice that maybe Adam had gotten away. It's rare, but there's always hope in Kansas. I want to thank you guys for listening. Remember, you can find Crime Scene and Cupcakes on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, you name it, we're there. Also, any of our proceeds that we acquire, but through our sponsorship, is going to fund a missing billboard fund that so all of our funding which is minuscule but we are working towards that so that is where our funding goes to so that is what we are doing thank you guys so much for listening and remember to check out we will have links to the wichita unsolved cases cedric county unsolved cases we work with Garden City, Kansas Unsolved Cases. Just any of the links we can find for any of the unsolved cases throughout Kansas City. Everywhere else, we always provide the links on any of our social media whenever we find them. So please look for it. Please share any of the unsolved cases as many times as you can, any of the unsolved posters, because that's how they get solved. Is people remembering, thinking about them. It's not just listening to them people have to see them it they need to be refreshed in people's memory because that's how they remember them they see something they say something but they have to remember them first so thank you so much for listening we out <laughs>